Now we can get into this. What's really fantastic is already the first slide is incorrect. <laughs> I already wrote down fights, dude. It is fights. It is supposed to be fights. I don't know what I... That, <laughs> what in the world? I'm missing... I'm missing two whole slides. That's okay. So, <laughs> we're going to talk about fighting tonight, which is really, really a lot of fun. The idea of fight, so it's find, fight, and feed, is what the three like core principles are of anybody who, if you're part of Chi Alpha, we want to move you into a place where you are doing these three things. You're finding, you're fighting, and you're feeding. Now some of you are like, oh, I'll throw down now. It was Palm Sunday last week. Thanks, Bobby, for that one. I'll show you, I'll show you my hands. Let's, let's do this. You're all about fighting. Some of you got really excited. You're like, oh, I can't wait. We've been wanting to fight this whole time. How awesome would it be if we were to bring back, like, um, America, like, what was that called? Blaze. Blazer. Laser. Uh, American Ninja something, not American Ninja Warrior. But back in the day, in the early 90s, there were these weird dudes that were super juiced. Like, no, juiced, meaning... That's correct. There was performance-enhancing drugs were encouraged. And they would literally just do crazy things. Like, it, it's called jousting, but it's not jousting from a horse. They got these big sticks with pads on either end, and they beat the living snot out of each other. And they're on these pedestals, and they're trying to knock each other off. And then there's this one where they, this dude is up top, and he's got this cannon. And it shoots tennis balls at like 150 miles per hour. And they've got to weave through this maze and, and shoot. Like each part of the maze has a spot and it's got like a Nerf gun. And what they're trying to do, they're trying to shoot this target above the dude with the Gatling tennis ball gun. And if they hit that, it kills the gun. I don't know how that works. And they're just trying to get through it. American Gladiators. Get on YouTube. Get on YouTube. It is terrible. It is terrible. Now, it would be a blast to do. I'll run it. I'll do it. I will gladly shoot you with a tennis ball. We won't even use a Gatling gun. I'll just stand up there with a racket. Um, and here's the thing. You have no idea if I'm going to hit you or not because I am not accurate with a tennis racket. So you may get smacked, you may not. But they had all these weird, crazy things that they had to do and they were fighting each other the whole time. Just get on YouTube and look it up, it's awesome. So you're, you have this idea of fighting, you're like, yes, let's fight. And then some of you who grew up in church are like, no. How dare you, we are a peace-loving group of hippies. Maybe not hippies, that might be the wrong word. But we love, love every, everybody loves each other. It's just what we're, we're still love. It's all love. It got really weird. I'm sorry. It, it, it got weird. I apologize for that. But usually it's one, especially with people who are, are, have been around church people for any length of time, it's either one or the other. They're like, fight? Where's the fight? I'm ready to throw down. Let's do this. And then the other side is like, oh, we, we, we don't fight. We, we don't do that. But here's the thing. You need to know how to fight. You really do. Listen, I do pre-marriage counseling for a lot of couples, and I've done it for a lot of couples, oddly enough, in the last four years. Hmm. Anyway, but 
the first couple of sessions that we do is literally how to fight. Now, if you're like one of those people that are like, man, when I find that special person, we're never going to fight. If you have that thought in your brain, that's stupid. <laughs> because if you do not fight, you will not grow. It just doesn't work. And if you're like, we're not gonna fight, because whatever I say is gonna be what's gonna happen. Um, that's not good either, okay? That's not good either, but we need to know how to fight. So we're gonna pretend that this word up here, it says fight. <laughs> It does not, but we're going to pretend. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2. We're going to eventually read the entire chapter tonight. We'll get to that, I promise. We'll stay within the time, a lot of time, okay? So those of you that still have your, your, your cup of chips need to get back over next door to, you know, win some more casino money, whatever. But Galatians 2, starting in chapter 1. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem. This, by the way, is Paul speaking. This time with Barnabas and Titus came along too. I went because God revealed to me that I should go. You want to talk about an awesome flex? God revealed to me that I should come see you. Like, you should start that, start your next sentence off, like, with whoever you're meeting with. Like, if you just randomly run into somebody, don't be like, oh, weird seeing you here. But as soon as you, God told me that I need to come talk to you. How did you know I was going to be at Six Flags? Uh, God told me. Uh, don't use that line unless God actually told you, by the way. Anyway, while I was there, I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. He was running, so it was for nothing. Just kidding. Okay, but he was talking about his Christian... I'm sorry, all of you track people. <laughs> but he's talking, obviously, not about track not talking about track or anything like that, but he's talking about running the race uh, for Christ. And then, uh, and they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised. Could you imagine if this was a conversation going on today? Oh, it's so weird. All right. Though he was a Gentile, even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones really. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, who, were, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations, but we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, the reputation was great, as great leaders made no difference to me, for God is no favorites. Dude, Paul is like, you need to understand, when he's writing Galatians, there's a really good chance he was already like, <laughs> like he was just a little frustrated to begin with like it, it seems I'm not going to go ahead and say this like it's 100% true but reading this at least in our context the bro sounds a little salty so far just the first 10 <laughs> verses like some so called believers <laughs> morons <laughs> And then, by the way, I don't care how awesome leaders they were, because God doesn't show favorites. Like, he, he seems like he might be a little on edge. That's okay. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. 
For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who, we, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their, so, as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we were to keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. So while Paul kind of seems as though he's a little salty, he seems he's a little on edge, like he kind of is wanting to fight. Here's the thing, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, there are a few short books in the New Testament. Most of them were written by Paul to these different churches in the different cities, and he's correcting something. This is what they were doing. So Paul was there preaching the gospel, preaching the good news, and something happened between what he said and then a roundabout way somehow it started to get changed by people's opinions and ideas rather than holding to the truth of the gospel. This is like when you were in elementary school or maybe you did this in high school and the teacher like tells the person up here something in his ear and then they have to tell it all the way down in their ear and all the way back and all back and forth. It gets to the end and then Trent has to tell me what I told Ty and it like is a completely different story and then Trent is Trent so he goes on this wonderful story and he decides to take us along this journey of all these wonderful things that he's come up with. Um, but you've seen that, it's this whole telephone game, right? And it, it seems to be kind of what is going on that instead of Ty telling Joe out loud this story, whatever it is that I told him, and saying, this is the gospel. This is what was told. And Amanda overheard Ty saying it anyway, but then Joe turns to Amanda, and then Joe says, this is what Ty said, and they're able to talk about it. And that's the idea of what was supposed to happen. Now, some random people came into the church and decided to go, no, we're going to add a few things. Like you're required to be circumcised to love Jesus. Now that's a deal breaker um, for a lot. Of... That's odd. Like, anyway, I don't have time to go down that road. But we're going to talk about fighting. Now, if we're going to talk about like legit fighting, we're going to do it this way. In Jesus' name. Uh, but in, not this whole punching people in the face and be like, God bless you, or anything like that. <laughs> when you get angry at somebody, or like if the next words out of your mouth are bless your heart, like, that's not okay. That means you're an idiot. If Brie ever says that to you, or anybody else that kind of grew up in the South, looks at you and go, oh, bless your heart. What they're saying is, you're a moron, okay? So we don't want to necessarily fight passive aggressively, but we need to learn how to fight in the sense of actually having communication with other people. So the first one is, what do I want to win? Now, we do not have the time, so I'm not going to read all of Matthew chapter 18 to you. I highly encourage you, if you don't know what to read this week, if you don't know what to spend time in study, as far as like spending time in God's word, or what you plan on doing this week, I would encourage you to read Matthew 18 at some point in time between now and next Wednesday when we meet again. Because in Matthew 18, it is literally the rules on what to do when you disagree with somebody. Now, it is the rules 
on what you do when you as a Christian <laughs> disagree with somebody. But these are important rules to have. They're important rules to follow. But in Matthew 18, once you've read it, you still have to answer this question. What do I want to win? Do I want to win the actual fight or do I want to win the person? When you are in an argument with somebody, when you have this clash of ideas, this is not a physical altercation, okay? Now, if it gets to that, we'll have some other verses we'll get to, but this is not a physical altercation where you're throwing hands, okay? This is just where you're getting mad at somebody, you're getting frustrated with somebody, somebody revealed a story that you had told them that you wanted to wait until you made it Facebook official or whatever else, because that's how you make things official. It doesn't happen unless it's on Facebook. That's not true, by the way. Please, for the love. But when you have these conversations with people, and all of a sudden there's this fight because something, some words were twisted, or something you said was twisted, or something you said was heard differently by the person hearing it than what, and all this nonsense is going down, and you have this fight. Stop calling it, oh, we're just, we're just having a conversation. You're fighting, okay? It, this is what it is. You're fighting. You're having an argument. An argument is a fight. But when you fight, in the forefront of your mind, if we're still in Galatians 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, like if those things actually matter, then in this fight, what am I trying to win? Am I trying to make the person little? Am I trying to belittle them? Am I trying to tear them down so that I win the fight? Or at the end of the fight, is my goal in this fight to make sure that when Ty and I walk out that door, we're still friends? I don't know why Ty and I are fighting. Obviously, I'm going to win. No, I'm not. It's the fight. Okay, I'm not going to win the fight. I'm going to win the person. See, I can't even preach without thinking I'm going to win this fight. Ty's a little guy. I'll win. Yeah. It does. I'm not going to fight with Ty. If we do, it'll be American Gladiator style. <laughs> but when you fight, when you fight, this is not just for people in this room. When you fight with the people that annoy you the most, it's called family. But when you fight with the people that annoy you the most, are you trying to win the fight or are you trying to win the person? Do you have an end goal in mind when you're going into the fight? Usually not. I can tell you this because I've done pre-marriage counseling with a ton of people over the last four years. I can also tell you this because, ladies and gentlemen, you are looking at, like, the world champion of passive-aggressive conversations. Okay? I'm really good at it. I am so good at it. <laughs> of this passive-aggressive stuff to where I'm annoyed with you, so I'm going to say something. Just a little quib. Just, just a little phrase, throw it out there just to get you to go, Ooh! <laughs> and then you want to fire back, and then we're not even actually having a fight based off of what we're trying to figure out. We're just having a fight because I came after your character, you came after mine, or I came after an idea you had saying I was stupid or whatever it was, and now we're just fighting because our emotions are hurt, because our emotions are in control of everything. That's not a good place to be. Your emotions are extremely important, which is why God gave them to you, but they are absolutely not supposed 
to rule your thoughts. We can go back to the conversations about Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. Not a single one of them has to do with your emotions ruling anything. This is why the Bible has an entire chapter dedicated to fighting literally with other Christians in Matthew 18. Because, listen, fights can be emotional. That's not what I'm saying. Man, some fights, they hurt. I have walked out of some, some conversations. I've gone home, and I didn't know what to do. I was just shaking mad, obviously, because the fight wasn't over. I got fired from a church I was a volunteer at, because I'm awesome like that. Um, have any of you been fired as a volunteer? It's great. But got fired as a volunteer, and I was mad. A few months later, that same pastor called me back in and asked if he could hire me. And I'm like, <sighs> Bree and I weren't married yet, but I remember after that conversation, I called her, and I'm, I, I haven't, I don't, I haven't cried like a bunch as an adult, but that was one time I'm driving from Lincoln, Nebraska to Wichita. I'm gripping the steering wheel, and I'm so mad. I'm crying, I'm shaking, and I just want to punch something. Because for whatever reason, we have this weird, I say, sorry, not we, I have this weird thing of when I'm really angry, maybe if I hit something, it would feel better. Which doesn't work. I was a goalie in college, and so I hit the wall, because I was mad, even with finger saves on. Finger saves, by the way, only save your fingers from breaking this way. If they get stepped on when you're a soccer player, it doesn't keep them from breaking when you do this. And I broke my pinky. Because, and it doesn't help anything. It's like, <laughs> you're a moron. <laughs> yes, that is true. But when we fight, we can, we can have an emotional response. That's okay. That is okay. It is not okay for that emotion to rule our actions. You can cry. You can be mad. You can walk away. You can do all of these things as long as you come back. But then when we come back, if I am not in a place, if we were having an argument and I mentally or spiritually am not in a place where I can worry about this right here and fight to win the person, I need to do this for a moment. Be like, hang on. Let's, let's, let's have coffee tomorrow morning and talk about this. Right now I can't. Or if it's, I know it's crazy, because Bree's always right. But sometimes Bree and I have conversations. We fight. Okay. Uh, sometimes Bree and I fight, and there are times where I, we, we need space from each other, just for a moment. Because I don't want to attack her heart. You don't want to attack somebody else's heart. You want to figure out what we're fighting about and figure out a solution to that. But we want to fight for people. We fight for people. Now, sometimes that can go beyond just having conversations. That can be, I'm fighting for you. Get your stupid butt to Chi Alpha. Come to church with me on Sunday, and I'm going to ask you until you say no. I'm going to fight for you. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. But fight them, fight for them spiritually. What does this look like? This also looks like if you are actually wanting to fight for people and their spirituality, that means that you are praying for them as well. Yeah. Now, this isn't one of those prayers of, God, may they 
just walk off a bridge into ice. You know, it's not one of those prayers or, you know, Lord, if the brake line would just disappear on their car. Like, not wishing hurt death or anything on somebody. God, I know there's no leprosy in America, but... <laughs> yeah, but some of you have thought that. Okay, maybe just me. <laughs> but if I'm going to fight for somebody, I need to be willing to fight for them spiritually. Whether it be your roommate that doesn't love the Lord or somebody on your team that doesn't love the Lord or whatever. I want to be willing to fight for them spiritually. This could be a family member that you are in a fight with that doesn't love the Lord. Am I fighting for them spiritually? Am I fighting for them relationally? That's what it looks like to fight for a person. Because at the end of the fight, at the end of this fight, I still want to have a relationship with them. If I don't see eye to eye with somebody, especially inside this thing called the church, if we don't see eye to eye, that's okay. But if it makes it to where I cannot have a relationship, like we, we can't be around each other, then both of us are not serving the same God. And neither one of us in that moment are serving the God of gods. We're serving ourselves. Not that you have to bend, not that you have to break or anything like that. But if, if this is something that cannot be reconciled, then there's something else at work and that's not okay. Okay, what do I wanna win? Do you wanna win the fight of the person? And the next one is, is there injustice? Now, whenever a pastor gets up and he says something like, I could have made those two sermons, he should have. Sorry, um, I've got 10 minutes though. So, is there injustice? This is a big deal. This is a big deal, especially in the American church today. Is there injustice? Now, I could go around the room and probably every single one of you could talk about a specific kind of injustice that's in the world. That's going on even just here in America. That's going on maybe even just here on this campus. It's possible. There's an injustice or whatever it may be. But we need to take a look at this real quick. Okay, Deuteronomy 16, 19 through 20 says this. You must never twist justice or show partiality. Never accept a bribe. That's right. For bribes blind the eyes of the wise and corrupt the decisions of the godly. Let true justice prevail so you may live. Let's just get rid of the rest of it. Let true justice prevail so you can live. Cool. Yeah. And occupy the land the Lord your God has given you. Proverbs 14.31 says this. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker. Dang. That's a heavy verse. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker. But helping the poor honors them. Now, really quickly, when you read verses like this, don't immediately assume that word poor is only talking about money. People who are poor in spirit. People who are poor however you may see it. James 1.27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. The gospel never advocates fighting for injustice for personal gain. What does that mean? That means if you feel oppressed, that means if, if the injustice that you feel happened is against you and you alone, Matthew 5, 39, 24, what I say to you, do not resist an evil person. 
Holy crap, Matthew, back the frick up. What in the world do you mean by that? 39 through 24. Don't worry about it. Just Matthew 5 somewhere. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, as a kid, whenever my dad would tell us these, this verse, he'd quote it to us when my brother and I were fighting, or my sister and I were fighting, we'd always be like, well, here's the other cheek. Um, that's not what this verse is talking about. Okay. <laughs> we thought we were funny. My dad never thought it was that funny. Weird. All right. <laughs> if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat to If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. This last part about if a soldier asks you to carry something a mile, carry it too. Many, some of you may have heard this before and maybe not, but in this time when this was written, back when Jesus was alive, you need to think about the Jewish frustration or Israel's frustration with being occupied by Rome. Many of them hated Rome. They despised Rome and Roman rule. But as a Roman soldier, you had the right to ask anybody to carry your crap for a mile. Anybody. You could do it because you're a soldier. You had the backing of the Roman government and the Roman army behind you. So if I didn't like you, if I'm a Roman citizen or if I'm a Roman soldier and I'm irritated or whatever or I'm tired and you're a Jew who hates me, I can still go, hey, you, grab my stuff. You're going to carry it for a while. Now, most of the time, I imagine that if it was required by law to do this, people... Some Jewish people would pick that stuff up and then for a mile just be like <laughs> Okay, that's, that's, that's thinking bad thoughts because I can't really do that very well. Um, so I'm not going to actually say things like that. Not to a microphone. Um, not with casino night going on. Um, <laughs> but have you ever done that for somebody? Like you've been asked to do something and reluctantly you did it because you were told to but the entire time you're like you're just angry. This is why the gospel is so flippin' crazy, because it turns our ideas and it puts them on their head and makes it even more challenging. So when Matthew's writing this, when this is going on, okay, you're asked to carry their stuff for a mile, do it two miles. And smile about it. And rejoice for the opportunity to serve somebody else. That doesn't sound like fighting to me. That sounds like frustration. If I don't want to do something for a mile, I definitely don't want to do that same something for two miles. Running. I don't want to do it for a mile. I definitely don't want to do it two miles, especially having to carry some dude's stuff. Some dude's stuff that's used to oppress my people. Now, throughout the gospel, you are called to fight injustice. We read several verses talking about injustice. God hates injustice. 
We are supposed to do that. We are supposed to be the shield against things that are going on in this world that are injustices. And I could name a million of them right now just going on in our nation. You probably could too. Now again, if we're fighting for these things, this cannot be for personal gain. I'm going to fight for people spiritually. I'm going to fight for them relationally. But if you're fighting for something for personal gain, it's evil. Is evil. But we should fight. We should fight. For the poor. We should stand up for the defenseless. That is a call to you as a follower of Jesus. You should want to fight. Not looking for a fight, but able to fight. Man, I wish I had more time to unpack more of this stuff. But I don't. Fighting in Jesus' name. Is there injustice? James 1.27, that was a verse from... Right here, pure genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. What's really fantastic about Galatians 5 is that the last half of it is literally a fight scene. So Paul has already talked to the Galatians. He's in this opening letter of, I'm a little salty at you people, but we're going to get on with this. But here in Galatians 2, now starting in verse 10 now through 21, we actually have this example of what it's supposed to look like. Some of you have never had a healthy relationship in your life. A healthy relationship isn't just somebody that you're in a relationship with. A healthy relationship is somebody that you're in a relationship with that you can fight with and you're still in a relationship with. That doesn't mean necessarily in a romantic way. That means we can fight with each other but then we come out at the other end and we're closer than we were. This is why marriages don't last. It's because people don't know how to fight. For future reference, if you want to get married someday, or even if you don't, but if you want to get married someday, learn to fight correctly. Am I fighting for them relationally? Am I fighting for them spiritually? If I'm not, and all I'm doing is fighting to win a fight, I'm doing it wrong. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. <laughs> Come on, that's awesome. I opposed him to his face, that jerk. For what he did was very wrong. I mean, Paul is salty. I mean, he's got to be. We're going to get to heaven someday, and Paul's like, no, I was all love when I wrote that. I'm like, ah, come on, dude, we're in heaven, stop lying. Um, <laughs> for when he arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, God, that James guy, uh, that's not, that's, that's, sorry, that's conjecture, that's, uh, no, it's like all this reading into the, the word, we're not going to do that. Peter wouldn't let, wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism for those people who intended on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Hypocrisy? Oh, hippopotamuses. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I spelled that way. Uh, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter, in front of the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentile... Gentiles, follow the Jewish traditions. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like these Gentiles. Like, if you were one of these Gentiles, like, hey. 
<laughs> right? Like, dude, Paul, I'm right here, man. I mean, he's not wrong, but... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> also true. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law? Wouldn't that mean that Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not! Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if, I, if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. This is what a healthy fight looks like. Paul could have, he could have, walked into that room and they're like, dude, Peter, you're being stupid, you moron. Yeah, and then Peter would be like, ah, ah, I walk with Jesus, jerk, let's fight. And maybe they would have fight. I don't know who would have won that. That would have been an interesting fight. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, Paul killed people before he met Jesus. Peter cut off that one dude's ear. Uh, well, they are gambling next door, so we could put bets down on it, and then we get to heaven and figure that out. <laughs> We're not doing this. We are not doing this. Okay. But, but Paul addressed Peter. And instead of being passive-aggressive, which is what many of us in our culture are super good at. Man, I'm glad I'm not a hypocrite like other people in the room. Just jump on social media for half a second and somebody has typed that on their wall. Maybe not exactly those words. Um, ugh, stop it. Don't do it. Paul was able to tell Peter, hey, what you were doing was incorrect. What you were doing is incorrect. And not, you're an idiot for doing that. But then he went into, this is, this is why. Because the gospel is bigger than whatever sin we're in. And then in this moment, Peter's in this sin of saying, oh, I'm afraid of criticism. Um, the Jewish people are here. I better go back to not eating with Gentiles because that's what the law told me to do. It's, it, I'm not going to go down But Paul addressed the actual issue that was at hand. He was able to articulate, this is what's going on. Now we don't have in this chapter necessarily Peter's response, but obviously this was growth for the church, the church as a whole. So now Peter or Paul was able to write about this and send it to you and send it to me so I can see what it looks like to have this healthy relationship. Now, maybe you've heard me say this. Maybe you've heard us say this in Kyle from before. Uh, I say this a lot with, with couples, and I say this a lot, especially with like working with other church people about doing churchy things or doing godly things, whether it be outreach or whatever. You need to know this phrase. It's healthy to bow. 
it's always healthy to bow. When you're in a relationship with somebody else, whether they're a boss or a spouse or whatever, it's always healthy to bow. Now in this case, there is mutual bowing going on. Paul, who maybe, if you looked at it from the outside, didn't have the right to call out Peter, but he did anyway. But instead of calling him out and saying he was a moron, he was an idiot, being passive aggressive about it, he goes, dude, what you're doing is actually damaging to the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we walk away from this room, I wanna be able to say, Peter is my friend, my brother, and my fellow worker with Jesus. And he was able to do that. This is an excellent example of that. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to close us in prayer, but I just have a couple more things to say. But while we're while your heads bowed, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I know that there are people in this room that you you are walking through stuff, you have walked through stuff, maybe you've already walked through it incorrectly. But you you just want to say, God, first off, I need your forgiveness. And then beyond that, God, I need your wisdom and your guidance for future reference. If you are in this place, I'm not even going to ask you to raise a hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than in this moment, posture your heart and your mind. Simply ask God for forgiveness. God, if you would forgive me, for my selfish desires, when I'm trying to fight for injustice but only out of personal gain. God, will you forgive me? 